Hi. Hello. How are you? You guys are feeling good today, I can tell. It's a greeting. It's a simple phrase. It's, it's what some people call small talk, but it's a bigger deal than you might think sometimes. Phrases like, how do you do? How's it going? What's new? What's up? These are all forms of communication. And they aren't literal questions. I mean, you think about some of the questions that we ask. How do you do? How do you do? How do you do what? So we shortened it from how do you do to howdy or how do. That's kind of strange if you think about it. If someone says to you, hey, what's up? You don't instinctively go and begin listing the things that are more vertical than you are. No, we understand as a part of communication that we're asking questions, but we're not so much concerned as to the literal phrasing of the question. For example, this morning, probably some of you asked, how are you? And maybe you were asked, how are you? And you probably don't expect the literal answer. Well, I had some Mexican food last night. It's not fitting so, sitting so well. And the kids are failing out of school. And I've got this rash they haven't quite identified yet. You know, you don't, you don't expect a full answer to the question, how are you? What you expect is someone to reply in courtesy and in kind. It's a courtesy. It's a politeness. It's a manners thing. Communication experts call this kind of language, phatic language. That's the word of the day. If you can use it in a sentence, you get bonus points. Just let me know, okay? Phatic language is the kind of communication that occurs where you're not so much concerned about the literal meaning of the words as much as the actual exchange itself. Think about it. If you came into Northside this morning and you came and... Every single person asked, how are you? And you probably to every single person would answer, I'm fine, I'm doing well, thank you for asking, how are you? You would kind of go through that. But if no one asked you, how are you? And you'd leave and you think, man, no one really asked how I was, although you didn't intend to ever tell anyone how you actually were. We understand that phatic language is communication that is not so much concerned about the literal exchange of words and the meaning of that, as much as it is the exchange itself. There's lots of kinds of phatic language. We have greetings. talked about those. We also have hand gestures. Are you a handshake person? Are you a fist bump person? Are you a, are you a hugger? Come here. Come here. What kind of nonverbal language do you use to greet people and to meet people? How do you meet someone that you don't know? Do you give them the, the head nod? Do you nod it up? Do you nod it down? Which way do you do it? Again, small talk and emphatic language, it may not seem like a big deal, but it matters more than you know. Here's the other cha- challenge with phatic language, is it varies from person to person, culture to culture, and even with the environment that you're in. For example, if I ask you, think about, this coming week, let's say that you were coming out of Lowe's and you, you had a, a big cart full of stuff and you were just by yourself 
and, and you were really struggling to get it off the car to into your car, and so someone came over to you and helped you load the things in your car. And you said to them, when you were done with the exchange, you said to them the words, thank you. That's phatic language. Now, it may be sincere, but it's still phatic language. Now, I'll, this is interesting. I, I want to ask the youth group if you'll help me for just a second. Would you guys stand for just a second? Let's pretend that you were the person helping me in the parking lot of Lowe's, and we've just loaded all of this stuff into the back of the car, covered with sweat, and I look at you and smile, and I say, thank you. What would you say? No problem. That's interesting. It's, it's kind of a way of, of responding to thank you. Now, you guys can have a seat. Thank you. Now, now, let me ask you, everybody else, let's say if you're over the age of 50, what is the polite way to respond when someone says thank you? Now, you see, you see the difference of what happened? Now, sometimes you'll hear people of an older generation irritated at a younger generation because they don't say you're welcome, they say no problem. And the younger generation says, you're welcome. That sounds kind of like you're entitled to it, or I'm entitled to it, or or something like that. I'd rather just say no problem, as if to say it's not really a burden. It's not a a problem for me to help you. And we have a generational conflict between you're welcome and no problem. That's, That's not a big deal, but that's an example of how phatic language changes from person to person, generation to generation, and culture to culture. It's really important. That's why we have to pay attention to the culture that we live in and the people that we're dealing with. We talked about the veterans this morning. Veterans understand the meaning of a salute, why that's important. It's nonverbal, phatic language. It's a sign of respect. Does this really matter? Is this really worth the whole sermon on? Oh, you better believe it does. There's a big reason for small talk, and it's part of our continuing series on one another. The big reason, in my view, for small talk is this. No matter how you do it, no matter what kind of phatic language you use, verbal or nonverbal, no matter how fat your phatic language is, you, when you are greeting someone, here's what you're doing. You're acknowledging another soul. You're you're taking... It's part of your time and your space and your energy and engaging them and noticing them. It may be a small thing like just a nod. It may be a friendly hi. It may be a handshake. maybe a fist bump. But whatever it is, what you're doing in that moment is you as an eternal being made in the image of God acknowledging another eternal being made in the image of God. And that's why it's important that we practice greeting. It's why the Bible commands this so often. In fact, we're going to read some scriptures. And in fact, out of respect for the word of God, I'm going to ask you all to stand. And we're going to read some scriptures. Go ahead and stand. I know you just got comfortable. Here's how the Bible commands this so often. I want you to just read these scriptures. They're very short. We've taken only part of the verse. I want you to read them together. 2 Corinthians 13, 12. Greet one another with a holy kiss. 
all the brothers send you greetings. From 1 Corinthians 16.20, greet one another with a holy kiss. From 1 Thessalonians 5.26, greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. From 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 14, greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Okay, isn't that beautiful? Look at how the Bible tells us so often to greet one another. And it even gives us a suggestion on how to do it. And so I thought we'd do is practice that this morning. (laughs) There are some teenagers here standing next to some pretty girls going, yes. (laughs) Now, all kidding aside, let me ask you this question. Why is it that the people of the book who are so, if I pointed to you a scripture, let alone four scriptures, they talk about greeting one another, and it not, not only says greet one another, it says greet one another with a holy kiss. When I say pucker up, buttercup, why do you get nervous? Why don't we do a holy kiss? Well, it goes back to the very beginning. That's because a holy kiss was fatic language in their culture. In fact, that's still practiced to some degrees in Middle Eastern cultures today and in Europe. Okay? We don't live in those cultures, so to us, you know, I get nervous when someone comes up and says, hey, hey. But, but if somebody comes up to me going, if it's anyone but my wife, they might get slugged. Okay? That makes me nervous because it's not my culture. This is important for us to remember, especially as we discern and sift through Scripture. What's important is that we do it, not so much how we do it. You can have a seat now. You don't have to stand for the whole sermon unless you just want to. What does work in our culture? We think about this probably doesn't work in our culture. Now, if you were at a Church of Christ meeting over in Europe, it probably would not be uncommon at all to do a holy kiss to the side. In fact, you might be considered rude and arrogant to not do it, because that's their form and their custom of greeting. So, uh, what about the bro hug? How do we feel about the bro hug? Well, depends on how close I am to you as a bro, (laughs) But I will tell you, for me, you know, even if I give somebody a bro hug, which I did this morning, a couple of guys, there's a rule, there's an unwritten rule, I'll just tell you, all, all the men know it, but when you give someone a bro hug, you got to first have the handshake, and then you pull them in, so there's clear division, and you pat it on the back, then it's a quick release, and then go. If you're going to do the bro hug, do it the right way. These next two are probably a little more familiar to us, the handshake and the fist bump. Now, you know, you think those seem very normal to you, but there might be other cultures where they say, you know, it seems strange to take the germiest, most disgusting part of your body and present that to another person in greeting and expect them to break their germiest, most disgusting part of their body and bring them together and shake it vigorously. That seems weird, maybe to another culture, but that's, that's normal to us. So we have to understand the culture that we're in helps us do the greetings in the right way. We got to be, be careful, right? Did I, did I ever tell you the? Did I ever tell you the story about the time Brian Middleton summoned a prostitute? 
Yeah, I, I probably should give some more context to that story, you think, Brian? Would that be okay? Yeah, no kidding. Um, Brian Middleton went over to another country to visit a missionary, got to the airport, went to get his baggage, unloaded it off the carousel, but was having trouble and needed help with someone to get the baggage to the car. Seeing someone who could help him, he looked over at him and did this gesture. And the guy looked visibly angry, like he was going to punch Brian, Brian the beard in the face, or in the beard. And Brian thought, well, what, what's that all about? He recounted the story later, and in recounting the story to the missionary he was going to visit, he said, well, I simply did this gesture, and as soon as he did it, the lady who, to whom he was telling the story got eyes like this, and said, Brian, just, she slapped his hand, don't do that gesture. That is the gesture you use for summoning dogs and prostitutes. Which is why the, the man was so angry. You see, he had, that was fatic language. It's why we have to be very careful. The church around the world, missionaries have to be especially sensitive to this and how they greet one another and how, what they do or do not do. So we, we have to think about this and we need to understand that greeting one another is important. Turn to Romans chapter 16. You'll probably notice that all of the scriptures that we read before about greeting one another with a holy kiss were actually, in most of the cases, written by the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, in nearly every letter that he writes, ends the letter with greetings. Romans 16, which if you don't know where Romans 16 is, page 1219. Romans 16 is a very interesting chapter because it's a whole chapter on greeting. It's a whole chapter calling out people that Paul knew and loved and worked and worshipped with and who he longed to see. And so he starts out talking about Phoebe and Priscilla and Aquila and Mary and Urbanus and Apelles and peoples whose names we don't recognize for the most part, but Paul did. He says, greet Rufus and Philogius. And, and then at the end of that, he writes to all of them these words. And if you're a long-time lifer in the Church of Christ, you know this verse, Romans chapter 16, verse 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Now, for my whole life, not for my whole life, but for most of the last 30 years as a Christian, every time I've seen a church of Christ quote Romans 16, 16, it's always the last half of the verse and not the first half. It's always all the churches of Christ greet you. Uh, but we want to step aside from the holy kiss for just a second. The point is, again, not how we make the greeting, but this is a reminder of who God's people are to be and how we are to be. That when you walk into a church of Christ, whether you're here at Northside or some other church of Christ around town or some other church of Christ in the state, that we are a people who should be friendly, Warm and kind and graceful and merciful. 
And whether you've been here your whole life or today's your very first Sunday, our hope is that you've received a greeting. Now, at Northside, we have greeters, and that's one aspect of it, and that's really good. If you're part of that team or want to be a part of that team, talk to Tony Weber. But we have people who are exceptionally good at that. But that doesn't absolve all of us from being greeters as well. A pointed question. I'll have to walk down here, so follow me. Um, On a Sunday morning, when they ask you to pass the welcome book, and you're worried about your part, you put your name in the book, but but when you pass it back, are you looking for guests? Are you looking for names of people that you don't know? Do you you say, I'm going to greet that person after church? If you're not... It's a good opportunity to do that. That's, that's one of the great ways these help us because they help us meet people who are sitting right next to us. Well, I understand your name, Tom. His name is Tom. Your, your name is Tom and you work at Chick-fil-A? Well, I want to talk to you. You see, there are tools to help us be friendly and kind and a, a people who acknowledge one another. Look, in this room, we have people from all different walks of life at all ends of the spectrum, young, old, male, female, right, left, tall, short, and all sorts of in-between people with a whole history, a whole legacy of churches of Christ and their family, people who've never, ever, don't even really know what it means to be a Christian. We've got all sorts of people, so we need to get in the mingle (laughs) so that we know one another because everyone has a story. Another great tool that we have at Northside is our name tags. These are a simple thing, but they're easy to forget. I'll be honest, I've I've not put on mine in a long time because I just arrogantly assume that's terrible. Arrogantly, people know who I am. Who am I to assume that? Larry Risley brought this idea years ago, and and he said, here's a way we can make a big congregation have a small church feel. Certainly is helpful if you're a guest, isn't it? When you've got people's names and all of these people that you don't know. Maybe we have an opportunity in that to remember what it's like to be a guest. So, may we not so much focus on how we greet, but may we not be a congregation that's neglectful in greeting, in taking time to get to know each other. I want you to think about Jesus, which was where our focus should always be. Jesus is like us because he is human. Of course, he's without sin. That's unlike us, but in every other way, human. And Jesus, like you and I, had circles of people in his life. He had three of the apostles that he was really close to. In fact, one didn't even name himself in in the gospel. He wrote, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He had 12 that he was really close to that he pretty much walked and did everything with. He had a a massive group of disciples at one time, maybe hundreds of men and women who followed him. He had crowds that he preached to. He even had people outside his circle, people who didn't think of him, much, much of him at all, but were his enemies. And he had strangers, people who had no opinion on Jesus. Now, I want you to think for just a second, just like Jesus had circles, you have circles too. And you have people that you come maybe to church and I got to sit by them. I really, I, I like it when I sit by them. And that's okay. That's fine. And you have people that you're comfortable with. You, you strike up a conversation with. 
You have people that you kind of see every Sunday, but you really don't know. And maybe you have people that you are strangers. And, okay? and, and there's nothing wrong with all of that. I, I just want to make this point. That as I consider the life of Jesus on earth, and particularly his three years of ministry, I want you to think about this. Jesus never stayed in one circle. He was, he was always going in and out. To his enemies, to strangers, to the closest, to the apostles. His whole life, he never stayed in one circle. And it's easy to do. It's really easy to do, to get in a circle of people that you feel comfortable with. It's easy to do that, for example, in a small group. You get, you get with your closest friends and the people that you really like to be around, and you just want it to be that group and no one else. And that's okay, that's understandable, but we have to be careful about letting those circles be exclusive instead of inclusive. We have small groups right now, some that are quite large. Jeff says, we got some groups that are really big groups. They're not small groups anymore. But I can't find people to lead new groups. Why is that? Because nobody wants to leave their circle. And so maybe a good thing to do would be to step out in faith and say, you know what, it's time for our group to break apart amicably but so that we can invite other people in. Because we've got new people coming to Northside all the time. And what about one class when you go to class? Do you, do you sit in the same place all the time? Do you sit by anybody new that you know? If you see somebody sitting by themselves, do you go greet them? These are the challenging ways in which it, we've got to be like Jesus. Jesus never stayed in the same circle. He broke the circle many, many times to, to talk to Samaritans and to touch lepers and to eat with tax collectors and to teach Pharisees. Do you get the picture that Jesus never Stayed put. In fact, Jesus even told us about this, his followers in Matthew chapter 5. If you want to follow along, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. The Sermon on the Mount. And this is something that I think Jesus certainly lived by, but he wants all of us to live by as well. Matthew chapter 5, verse 47, page 1040 in the Pew Bible. This version on the slide is slightly different than the ESV, but I liked how it read. If you only greet your friends, so let me ask you this morning, who all have you talked to today? Who all have you sat by today? Just your friends? Just the people that you know? Just the people that you love and that love you? But Jesus says, if you do that, what more do you do than others? How are you different as a follower Don't even tax collectors do the same. Think about it. Worldly people only greet the desirables. Folks who have more beauty, more money, more influence, more power than I do. Only people who can get me something. I've seen this happen in churches. Someone who's not very polite and not a greeter, but who sees a man of great prestige and wealth and influence, and immediately they brighten up and go straight for that person just to talk to them, just for a minute. That's a worldly attitude. That's not how we're supposed to be. We're going to talk about that tonight as we study in James chapter 2. Small people, small people, only greet the alikes. I can only greet you If you think like me, and you act like me, and you talk like me, and you behave like me, I'm only friends with you on Facebook if you agree with my worldview. 
And friends, that's a very small world to live in. And the algorithm doesn't help because <laughs> it kind of gets us all in our own echo chambers. But I want to encourage you to think outside the algorithm. Comfortable people greet only the familiar. People that I'm related to, people that I get along with, people that I click with, people that are in my circle. Don't be worldly and only seek to people, greet people who are desirable. Don't be small and only seek people who are like you. You'll never grow. And don't get so comfortable that the only people you greet are people who are familiar to you. Kingdom people are to be like our king. So may we act like it. May we act like Jesus and may we act like Gary Daniels. You may not know who Gary Daniels is. I've known Gary for about as long as I've been a Christian. He's been a staple. He's been a part of the kingdom. Um, Gary's a sweet brother in Christ. He's wrapped differently than me. He's high extrovert. He never meets a stranger. And how I got to know Gary is when I was growing up, I'd go to the men's breakfast at Emporia Avenue, and Gary was always there, and he was always so friendly and outgoing, and he'd get to, he knew my name, and he'd, he'd say, hey, Toby, 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 hey, Toby. And I thought, wow, Gary's just the nicest guy. And then I figured out he wasn't just that way with me. And he'd lead the singing after breakfast. After the final amen, Gary would shout five words. And if you've been around Gary in a public setting, you know what they are. Shake hands and be friendly. And I used to think that was so weird, and then I realized that's so kingdom. That's so Jesus. That's how we're supposed to be. Not just with people we know and love, not just people in our circle, not just people that we click with, but people who are different than us, people who are outside our circle, people we don't know. That's where it makes the most difference. So that's the Gary Daniels challenge. I want all of us to be like that. And, and I want to give that challenge to you today. As we prepare to, to leave, I don't want you to leave. I want you to stick around for just a few minutes, shake hands, and be friendly. And this morning, I want to challenge you to do this. You have your name tags on, I hope, and if you don't, you can go get it. But please don't leave. I want to challenge you to, to introduce yourself to five people that you don't know, or maybe that you don't know very well. Okay? The only people I give a, a pass today are guests. Guests, you get a pass today. But, but if you are so inclined, I hope you'll shake hands and be friendly nonetheless. I want to encourage you to meet some people who are different than you. Teens, I want to ask you to, to leave the youth group section. Not th nothing wrong with the youth group section. But I would like to encourage you to get to know some gray hairs. <laughs> to get to know some people who don't speak the language of TikTok and Instagram. And it's really important that you do that. And by the way, you gray hairs are not out of the loop on this. I, I want to encourage you to meet some teenagers. Believe it or not, they were once teenagers just like you. I want you to encourage you to meet somebody who's in a different location. If you always sit on the north side, come over here to the south side. You'll find saved people there too. If you always sit on the south side, I want to encourage you to come on over to the north side of north side. You'll find good people there as well. I want to encourage you to not try to introduce yourself to people who are close where you sit. Because that's people who are family and friends and people that we know. 
I want you to get outside of your comfort zone. I want you to go up. No holy kisses today. But a handshake, a fist bump, a bro hug if it's so appropriate. Just make sure you leave a dividing line there. I want you to meet people and greet people. Because that's the way God's people are to be. I want you to shake hands and be friendly. I want you to greet every person you meet as an eternal being created in the image of God. Okay? So that's your challenge today. And I hope that you'll take me up on my, after the final amen. Don't immediately leave, but take 15 minutes to get to know five people outside your circle. Okay? This morning as we wrap up the message, I always want to offer the invitation. It's not my invitation, it's the Lord's invitation, and that's very simply this. The invitation to be set free. The invitation to be invited into fellowship with God through Christ Jesus. He's the only way. The Bible says, and Jesus said, I am the only way to the Father. No one comes to Him except through me. And so if you're not in Christ, the... uh, first thing you need to do is believe in Christ, and you need to turn away from sin and agree with God that it is sin. You need to confess his name as Lord, and then you need to be baptized. And none of that's how you're saved. It's all just when you're saved. If you're ready to do that, we'd like to help you with that. We have some elders who will be at the back. We're going to sing a song. You can head there. And if you have a spiritual need of the congregation, of our shepherds, they'd like to pray with you and for you, whatever your need might be. If you have one, please head to the back and meet with our shepherds, and we're going to stand and sing.